The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. What's up, everyone? It's a bright and sunny day here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I'm here with what what I would say is maybe one of the most in-tuned beat reporter, writers, Twitter personalities of the tech baseball program, Chris Hirons. Chris, how are you doing, man? Good, man. It was uh it was about six degrees here in Blacksburg, so you know, can't be can't be too worse. Yep, it's a beautiful sunny day here in mid-February. And of course, when you think mid-February, I think of college baseball starting up. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The Hokies are coming off the best season in program history. It's going to be a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about everything, the preseason hype, what they did last year. We're going to talk about the current roster, guys coming in via the portal, via recruiting. And at the end, where we think this season will end up for the Hokies. First off, I'll just plug everything on the Section 5 network. Hokie Hoops pod, Sons of Saturday pod, uh, Queens of the Castle. The Lady Hokies are on a burner right now as they're finishing up the ACC season. Locks of Saturday, we're going to get into some NHL, some NBA, some college basketball action over on that channel. Should be a fun time. Chris, let's recap last season to start this out. First off, it was the best season, hands down, no question, in Tech Baseball history. Ended the season with a 45-14 and record, hosted the Blacksburg Regional against Wright State, Columbia, and Gonzaga, although never got to play Gonzaga, which I kind of wish they did, but never got to play that matchup and hosted the first-ever Blacksburg Super Regional against the Oklahoma Sooners, who, quite frankly, were the hottest team in baseball all through the postseason, ended up losing in the College World Series final to Ole Miss. The Hokies won the ACC regular season title with a 19-9 and record, including overall in the season, a really impressive 33-7 and home record. If you haven't seen a game at English Field yet and you can get to Blacksburg this spring, highly, highly recommend it. You don't get many better atmospheres for for college baseball. You can see it. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it a little bit in our background here, but it's, I mean, I don't know which more you want. It's a great place to watch baseball. You just pop up a lawn chair there and general admission seating, get you a hot dog, get you some beer and watch some awesome baseball. Yeah. I mean, 250 for a hot dog, 250 for drinks, not a bad deal. Um, especially with, with non-conference games being free. And then the most expensive you're paying for a ticket to sit in a seat is 10 bucks, $5. I think for like kids that are under 13, like, I mean, it's a great place to watch a ball game. It's almost like a minor league venue. It really is like a really nice minor league ballpark. And I think what Virginia Tech has done with the facilities, I, you know, they're saying build it in Blacksburg 
literally building it from the ground up. We'll talk about that a little later, but one of the best facilities on campus, it rivals any college baseball facility across the country, even some of the SEC schools. So really great job there. The Hokies also had a phenomenal, phenomenal showing in the MLB draft. Gavin Cross, number nine pick overall to the Kansas City Royals. He might be working up that farm system really, really quickly. Tanner Schobel was the 68th pick overall to the Minnesota Twins. I got to be honest, as a Cleveland fan, I don't love all these guys being in the AL Central, but congrats <laughs> to him. Uh, Nick Bittison going 135th overall to the Dodgers. Cade Hunter, 153rd to the Reds. Graham Firefed, 16th round to the Baltimore Orioles. And Jordan Geber signed as an undrafted free agent to the New York Mets. I know our our good friend, Billy Ray Mitchell, who is a uh, Mets and Red Sox fan. We'll be happy about Jordan Geber there. So I think wrapping up last season, I mean, it was by far the best season tech baseball has ever had. What does that mean for Virginia tech moving forward? Chris? I mean, I want to go back to the point you made at the stadium. I mean, they built it in Blacksburg, the $20 million facility they put into it. I mean, you're starting to see it pay off. Um, I think you'll start to see it pay off, especially in recruiting um, freshmen in both transfers. I mean, they had the biggest, I guess, the largest amount of bonus signing bonus money um, that players have received. I mean, they had um, the five draft picks make over $7 million combined, which is, you know, the biggest in program history. I think the second most was Joe Saunders when he was picked in 2003. I think he went for like, 1.825 1.825 million and that was only one guy mm-hmm. so i think you know it, it really helps with recruiting for one because recruits can now see that hey if i go to blacksburg maybe i can go sign you know for 5.2 million dollars like gavin cross did or maybe i can work my way up from being a top 1000 recruit to uh going to following tanner Schobel's route of making a million dollars or even jordan geber who kind of flew under the radar for four years and then you know, kind of peaked at the right time um, as the Sunday guy for attack last season. Now he's out playing professional baseball, made it as high as double A last year. So, I mean, I think, I think you'll see it start paying dividends for recruiting. And we have to mention um, it's been a while since he's been on campus, but Joe Mantiply made the all-star game this year for, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So that is something that I think is really hard for baseball and basketball programs. It's like, get you a guy who's playing in the pros that you can sell to recruits. It's very difficult in baseball, quite frankly, because of all the steps on the ladder you need to get to in order to Mm -hmm. make it to the big show. I mean, Gavin Cross could be playing in a Royals uniform at some point next year. It's very well possible. So really exciting what they're doing, um, getting guys ready for the next show. And with all of that success, though, comes some preseason hype that we don't normally see with the tech baseball program. Chris, so go over all the, all the D one baseball projections for the Hokies this year. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, last year I, I kind of feel bad for, you know, tech's head coach, John chef. He's had so many preseason like media obligations that, um, that he didn't have last year. I think last year it might've been me and Sam Alves for 304 that were court requesting interviews. And, you know, this time this year, you know, it was, it was hard to get chef for a one-on-one interview. Um, and I think that just comes with the preseason hype. I mean, D one baseball 
um, had them at 14th in their preseason top 25. And that's kind of the, the most prestigious uh, college baseball ranking um, last year. I don't think they even thought tech was even going to make um, the NCAA tournament, much less to host a super regional. Um, and now they're projecting tech to host a regional. Um, they released that the other day. Um, I think Stanford, they projected them to be the number three seed. Obviously it's the preseason doesn't mean a ton, but like when you look at it on the grand scheme of things, like they, they didn't get like this preseason hype last year. Obviously, you know, they had the, they were up to as high as what number, I think it was like 13 or 14 in 2021. And then kind of had that collapse. And I thought a lot of, you know, the college baseball, like national media probably thought, Hey, the, you know, maybe they're just not ready yet. Obviously that wasn't the case. They had that, they went on that great run last year. And now, you know, the, the preseason hype is there. Um, they're may, they're aiming to make it back to the, the um, NCAA tournament for the first time in consecutive years for the first time since 1999, 2000. Uh, it's been a while since there was this much hype going into the season. I mean, even after 2013, the and when Pete Hughes left after the loss to Oklahoma in the regional, like, and they hired Pat Mason staff, you know, there wasn't, you know, hype. They weren't ranked in any sort of preseason polls. So I think this year, you know, you bring your coaching staff back, you brought, you know, most of your team back, which we'll get into later. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot, a lot of outlets are, you know, expecting this team to, you know, at least play in the tournament and not even that, maybe even host a regional or a super regional once again. Yeah. Not only are they projecting that, but they're projecting it in an ACC that mm -hmm. got better this year. I mean, the ACC is only, I mean, you could say they're on par with the SEC, maybe even better in some spots. It is a premier, premier conference. What do you think it means for Virginia Tech growing to get this kind of preseason hype? And then to, you know, like you said, a couple years ago, season started out really well. They had some injuries, some guys got in hitting slumps, and it kind of fell apart once they got into the real beef of the ACC schedule. Last year, quite frankly, everyone was kind of waiting for that to happen. We were like, all right, when's this, when are they going to have a bad weekend? When is somebody going to go in a slump? And it, never really happened. I mean, even in the super regional against Oklahoma, Oklahoma was just on fire. There was nothing really that Virginia tech was doing. What do you think that means? The kind of consistency we've seen. And then this is the first time Virginia tech baseball has really ever had expectations on a national scale. I mean, I think what it means it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's a respect that the, you know, national media now has for, um, a program like Virginia Tech, um, Carson Demartini. We were talking to him yesterday at the baseball media day. He thinks that this team, you know, the dreams to go to Omaha. He thinks that you know maybe this team could be even better than it was last year. Um, you know, even though you lost a lot of offense, you gained a lot of bats. You, you know, most of your pitching staff returned. The only guy you really lost was like Grant Fireved, uh, the O's. The other guys, you know, you knew you were going to lose because they ran out of eligibility. But you know, I, I what it really comes back to is just you know national respect. Um, that you're kind of getting from everyone from national media and even the ACC coaches. You know, last year I think they were picked sixth in the ACC Coastal. You know, they went on that that hot run basically throughout the entire ACC season. I mean, 
even the Georgia Tech series where they got swept, they lost two one-run games. They got walked off twice. And then the Pitt game where they started 0-4, you know, that was still a one or two run game. I mean, they were they were just so consistent throughout the entire year. Now, obviously, you gotta you gotta um, the injury bug um, never bit them, and if it did, it was late in the year. Um, but it, it's just it just goes back to national respect, you know. Yeah, it's I'm very excited for it. It's just fun to hear Virginia Tech in this name when you're talking about some of the best programs in the country. Let's do a little bit of a projected starting nine for the Hokies. And then we'll kind of dive deeper into the roster. There's a lot of new names. There's a lot of transfers, which I think we'll talk about as one thing. John Sheff has done a phenomenal job in the transfer portal. And then we'll also, we, we do have to talk about the bullpen because I think mm-hmm. if there's one giant question mark around Virginia tech baseball right now, it's, do they have the depth in the bullpen? Do they have the depth in the starting? So let's kind of just go over the starting nine real quick. Yeah. So, I mean, everything, what I've been hearing from the team, um, everything that, you know, the players have gone on record about, we'll start with uh, second base and then kind of work our way to the first base and DH at the end, just because those are still kind of up in the air. Mm-hmm. But second base, Eduardo Malinowski, he's going to be back. You know, he came back. Um, he had an extra COVID year because he, played for Penn at two years. They lost their entire 2020 season to COVID. And then 2021, they were only allowed to play, I think maybe 18, 19, 20 games. Um, so they bring, so he gets another year, he comes back. And then you also have Christian Martin, who was a Valley League all-star. You know, he was, he, he had a good summer this year. So I, I, I figure those two will probably end up playing. I wouldn't say splitting because Malinowski would probably get most of the starts, but you know, Martin will probably factor his way into there, maybe one one game a weekend. But second base is locked down. Shortstop, shortstop is interesting. So you got David Bryant, who's the transfer from Radford. The guy walks more than he strikes out. Always puts the bat to the ball. Hits for a very very high average. And then you also got Clay Grady, who I think was you know the seven five seven high school player of the year. He's a freshman. Um, you know, and he'll be here. Chef, Chef was really, really high on him when I talked to him on Friday. He said um, that he's very coachable. He's kind of the same guy every day, high energy guy, someone you really, you just, you want on your roster. You want to play every day. So maybe think back. He wouldn't compare him to anyone. He, he couldn't think of any like player, past player he could compare him to. But, you know, he almost, he could have the same trajectory as Tanner Schobel did, you know, in 2021, where, you know, he, he was out every day. He played every day for Tech and then has a great summer at the Cape. Grady will be going to the Cape for, I think, the Harbor Hawks this summer. Um, you know, and then Tanner obviously came and had that great year last year. So I, I'd expect David Bryant to, to take most of the reins at short. Um, and then, you know, he'll DH some days. He's kind of one of the older guys. I believe this is his last year of eligibility. And then Clay Grady will, will, will play a little bit too. And then if you want to talk about third base and Carson Martini, Yeah. So with Carson Martini, I think first off, this was a guy that before David Bryant transferred from Radford, Carson played shortstop in the Cape league and mm-hmm. he did a really good job. Um, you know, he has all those shortstop skills. Now I think moving him to third base is one, you get another bat in there, but two, you kind of, you kind of lock down that left side 
of the infield. And I think that's really good for Virginia Tech to have that luxury of not just having to say, all right, here's our star infielder. We have to move him to shortstop. Having the ability to say, hey, we have a really good fielder and hitter at third base, and we have two options at shortstop, that's really, really good news for the Hokies. So I would, you might see some games where Carson plays short. Um, it's something he's been working on, but I think he's your he's your third baseman. And I'm really excited to see that left side of the infield. I think you're going to see some highlight plays there. So Carson Demartini, a Virginia Beach guy, tore it up in the Cape Cod League this summer. He, you know, projects as a higher round draft pick here in the next few years. Like he, I think he and Jack Hurley, who we'll get to, they have that star power that can replace what Tech lost with Tanner Schobel and Gavin Cross. Yeah. And then and in the outfield, obviously you'll have Jack Hurley coming back, which we mentioned. The dude's a, dude's a stud. I think he hit what 380 or something last year. He was crazy. And then Carson Jones, who's, you know, sort of turned into Babe Ruth, hit eight homers in his last 12 games. It's something that you only believed it happened because it actually did happen. Um, they'll be back. And then Carson Jones will be a right, Hurley in center. And then Chris Canizaro, a transfer from Bucknell. Um, Griffin Green said, or no, not Griffin, Drew Hackenberry, I take that back. Drew Hackenberry yesterday said that he was the toughest at bat on the team. You know, he's someone who doesn't strike out a lot. He always puts the bat to the ball. Um, you know, he's just, he's a tough out because Drew said he'll put the ball anywhere and somehow Canizaro will get his, um, his, his bat on the ball. And then going back to catcher, um, Gary Giebel, he'll be there. Um, you know, he'll be, he'll, he'll be Cade Hunter's replacement. Um, chef was, he's very high in his defense. Um, and then offensively chef said he did take a step. He said he had one of the better falls when I talked to him in the fall, um, out of anyone on the team. So Gary Giebel will be behind the plate and then going back to first base and designated hitter. So chef wouldn't go on the record about any of this, but he said that Tacker Tackett Iser should factor in playing first base, which would be interesting because Sam Tackett, he's a guy who really only started your non-conference games last year. Um, but Chef did say he had one of the better falls. Out of, actually, he said he had the best fall out of anyone um, on the team. And then Eddie Iser, you know, he was he was someone who had a lot of scouts watching him in high school, you know, considered that he was going to be maybe a high school pick, ends up going to NC State. He's coming – he didn't get a ton of time. He didn't get a ton of reps on NC State. He comes here. Um, he figures, you know, he'll play a little bit of first base, um, you know, but he'll also play the corners, the corner outfield spots, um, almost like a Nick Bittison type of player. He can kind of play anywhere. Just, then, just wherever on the field outside of pitcher, maybe even pitcher. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> um, but Eddie Iser, yeah, he should, he should factor in. He hit for the cycle at, at Liberty in the fall during one of their scrimmages. And then Garrett Michelle, he'll be he'll be very interesting. He's um, a first baseman, DH kind of guy who the team absolutely loves. They started calling him Babe Ruth because he's I think had like an unofficial nine homers this spring. He's hit his way into the lineup as a freshman. Um, he had a great summer down in the whatever summer uh, league is in Florida. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think Perfect Game runs it. But he had a great summer where he hit like close to. I think like in the high 300s, but every time I saw Michelle in the fall and this spring, he had a home run. 
I think he'll be pretty good. And then he'll he'll probably split between first base and DH. And then Brody Done, he'll be interesting too. He plays, he's a catcher, but I know the team kind of wants to move him to the outfield. He might DH a little bit this this um this spring. He's this six seven guy. He's huge. You know, I'm I'm a I consider myself a tall guy. I'm about six one, six two, but I mean he I'm looking up to him. I mean, he's huge. He'll and his swing is just I mean, it's so pretty. He regularly tattoos balls at anywhere between, you know, 95 and 105 miles an hour. It doesn't even look like he's hitting it that or he's swinging that hard. I mean, that guy, he'll be good and he'll be good. Talking about the outfield real quick, uh, D1Baseball.com, who is the premier rankings outlet, everything. If you see rankings next to a team on TV, it's it's D1 Baseball's rankings. Um, for their top outfielders coming into the season, Jack Hurley is fifth nationally amongst all outfielders, left, right, and center field, and Carson Jones, 39th. So some star power in the outfield. Let's talk about the pitching rotation. Let's first the starters. Drew Hackenberg is a guy getting a lot of hype for this season. I thought he was really good as a freshman last year. We expect a step up still, getting a little better with a little more experience. That's very exciting. Griffin Green behind him. I thought Griffin Green was great most of the year. Struggled a bit towards the end of the year. I believe he had a pretty nasty like finger injury, which if you're throwing a baseball and your finger is injured, that's not going to work out too well for you. He really had to battle through that in the ACC tournament and then through the regionals. And then behind him, Anthony Argues. Arguez. Arguez? I, Arguez. Arguez. Okay, there we go. I hadn't taken Spanish in a few years. <laughs> He's really interesting because you first, you see what transfer from Miami. Thumbs up on that. We'll take that all day. But yeah, he could have gone, gone anywhere. Yeah, he, he's not a guy who started a lot of games. And, you know, if you know about baseball, being a bullpen guy versus being a starter is a, a totally different mentality and, quite frankly, a different skill set when it comes to stamina. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so Griffin Green's going to come back. Just get to that as a way. He'll be the Friday night guy. Um, he'll be great again. Drew Hackenberg, he'll be the Saturday night guy. But Arguez, he's kind of your X factor. I mean, you watched it with Jordan Geber last year. They weren't winning. They were taking the first two Sunday games. And then all of a sudden, Jordan Geber gets this start at Miami, and he pitches pretty well. They end up losing. But the Boston College game that Geber started, they end up winning. They swept that series. The Louisville game that um, that Geber started, um, they it was a Sunday game. They lost the Friday game. They took two out of three. They won that series from Louisville. And then the Duke series, they ended up sweeping to win the ACC title. Gieber was on the mound. I think Arguez, the the word from the team there is that, like Gieber, who is, I mean, he was great. He was great for them. But Arguez is even a step up from Gieber, which is a very good sign. Uh, Griffin was saying yesterday that his fastball sort of like Grand Firebeds, where it kind of just rises, except it rises and kind of veers to either the right or the left. I don't remember which direction he was saying, but you know, I mean, I think I think Gieber, or not Gieber, Arguez, Arguez, like he'll be he'll be pretty good. Yeah, and you know, it's it's so key to have that three man rotation locked down because. Virginia Tech, quite frankly, probably the best offensive team in the country last year. You can't expect that every year, right? Mm-hmm. 
Virginia Tech will not be able to simply outscore every team they play this year. They will need good pitching on Friday, Saturday, and Sundays, especially with the meat of the ACC schedule. So having that Sunday starter, I think, could be the difference a lot of times between winning series and and losing series on the weekends. In the bullpen, uh, we got putting him on island time, Jonah Herney, who's been a guy who's been around, thrown a lot of innings. You have a lot of confidence in him to to get you some good innings of work. Christian Worley is a guy I'm excited about, along with Henry Weicker and Brady Kurtner. Uh, just how can they develop as they get older and you know have they had stuff? I know Christian Worley had some injury issues that kept him out for a bit, so excited to see him. Uh, another local guy as well with Kurtner, Tyler Dean, throws the ball really, really fast. Mid-90s fastball guy. Needed to develop. He was a highly rated recruit, but it was all potential. Needs to develop. I personally hope we can see some development from him this year. Have you heard anything about him in, in the preseason? Yeah, I heard he um what so he he was pitching really, really well in the fall. And then Jack Hurley hit him with like a 105 mile an hour comebacker that kind of knocked him out and kept him out of the uh fall scrimmage games that um I guess they played against Radford and Liberty, but I heard his development was coming along quite er, rather well. Chef said that, you know, obviously Herney, Worley, Weicker, Siverling, even um, they'll be all stones. Kieran Higgins, he'll be stones too in the bullpen. Yep. But he expects that Brady Kurtner, whose fastball just somehow acts like a cutter, like his fastball is, I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're just are, are worse. it's wicked it's got wicked movement movement like he expects kerner to, to step up and so did and tyler dean as well um i'm trying to think who else and for a freshman arm he expects um andrew sentlinger a lefty from charlotte i believe mm-hmm. um i think he believe like chef thinks that he'll you know, play a, play a role on weekends and then same thing with griffin steeg who you know got a lot of draft uh hype um, you know, he'll, he'll be a freshman from Northern Virginia, uh, didn't end up getting picked, came to Blacksburg as a two-way guy. They've kind of just decided him, decided to say, Hey, you know, just let's stick with the arm, um, which will probably be beneficial for him, you know, come draft time in three or four years. And then, uh, Ryan Kennedy, who's not to confuse him with the other Ryan Kennedy who graduated last year that was on the team that was mid, the midweek guy, but Ryan Kennedy, um, he, this, this one's a righty. Um, he went to Colgan high school. Um, he, he played with the stars and Mike Colangio's organization up there. Um, he should, he should factor in as the midweek starter. Yeah. And you know what I get from so many, you know, Virginia tech fans who, who start watching baseball and talking about the team one thing they say is they're like, oh man, the, the bullpen, like, what are they doing with the bullpen? What are they doing? Why are they making so many changes? Why, why don't they have a consistent rotation with guys? Every single college baseball program has this problem. There are only so many scholarships to give out. Also, you don't have elite arms coming in and throwing 97 out of the bullpen. Like it's, those guys are in the majors. They're not here in college baseball. (laughs) And those guys in the majors were starters in college. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, you know, having kind of to piece together a bullpen and use analytics to figure out matchups and understand, all right, guys need rest. Guys can't pitch, you know, back to back to back days out of the bullpen, stuff like that. 
every program kind of has to deal with that. That's kind of the beauty of college baseball is you have to piece some things together as you go along. So before you complain about the pitching rotation going into this season, I think don't think about it like you're watching the Nationals or the Orioles. Think about it as you're kind of watching a ragtag group of guys who can throw really hard, have some good stuff, and are continually working on their game. Um, it's The bullpen's not pretty in college baseball. No, Some programs have one or two good guys. Rarely do you have a fully-fledged you know, bullpen out of the way. So just, just know that going in if you're going to start watching college baseball for the first time. Makes for a lot of fun. Overall for this roster, there are some things that we're really confident about. First off, my number one thing about this team is they're going to be a lot of fun because these guys play baseball with some incredible energy. They are returning some good leadership too, which I think is really key and something that I've seen on Twitter and talking to people, fans are a little bit worried about losing all those draft picks, losing some of your senior leaders. Yeah, I mean, but I, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough losing half your lineup. You know, you lost, I think, you know, five out of your nine regular starters, which are six, including Carter Hardigan, who, I mean, he didn't have the best statistical year, but man, he came up with a bunch of clutch two out hits. I mean, that guy, that guy was, that guy was fun to watch, but I think, I think chef and the staff, Albin Fecto and Kyle Sarazen, who's the analytics guy there, you know, they, I think they put, you know, they put together another great set of offense. Obviously they're not going to hit 126 homers again. You know, I mean, that was, I heard from two scouts um, from two buddies who said, you know, they were like, we wouldn't even come to watch the scout tech. We would come because they were fun to watch. Like that offense was probably maybe one of the top 15, 20 offensive offenses ever assembled in college baseball like that. I don't know if you'll ever see that again at Virginia tech, but you know, this group and Carson Martini said it yesterday, expect lower scoring games. You know, you're not going to go out and beat a team 18 to two. Obviously it might happen once or twice, but you know, expect a six to three win. I go back to that Louisville series where they won those two games uh, that they did on Saturday, Sunday, and they only won those games by like two, two or three runs. And it was like a six to four final on Saturday and like a six to three final or something like that, you know, expect those games, even the Friday game, that series, actually, that was, that was another close game that kind of got away from them at the end. But if you go back and watch that Louisville series, I think that's what, you know, will kind of tr- like that'll, that'll be Virginia tech baseball this season. You know, the pitching staff is what chef said as deep as it's ever been that he's been here and certainly in his career. Um, and then the offense, I mean, it's still, it's, it'll still be a good offense. Like you have Carson Martini, he's coming back, Jack Hurley, Carson Jones, Garrett Michelle, who's apparently Babe Ruth. Um, I mean, you just, I mean, even Sam Tackett should make an impact. Malinowski who had eight homers in 12 games begin the year last year before he kind of fell off. I mean, David Bryant, I mean, the offense this year, it won't be as great, but I mean, I st- they'll still be pretty good. Yeah, it, it should be a really fun team to watch. Uh, they do lose a bit on the base paths by losing Gavin Cross, mm-hmm. Nick Bittison, and Tanner Schobel. So we'll see how they can kind of replace that. Carson Jones is a guy who came on at the end. He certainly can steal base with the best of them, Jack Hurley as well. So I think that's something that some guys will need to step up in their game is the ability on the base path. It's something Tech was so, so good at last year that they'll need guys to kind of continue 
that tradition. Uh, let's talk about some of these transfers they've gotten because I think John Chef has done a great job, and quite frankly, the whole staff, not just Coach Chef, but of getting guys who not only are really good baseball players, but they come in and fit the high energy, high octane culture of Virginia Tech baseball really well. And it looks like they got some of those guys again this year. Yeah, I mean, Chris Kinizaro, he he's not going to be. I saw someone said, oh, he's a replacement for Gavin Cross. And no, that's not exactly who he is. He's not going to come in and be, you know, the ninth overall pick, but you know, he's a, he's a solid replacement for Gavin Cross, someone who can hit for a high average, doesn't strike out, walks a lot, has some speed on the base path, which is what you just mentioned. I think Ken will be, I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be a fine replacement for Cross and he'll hit for some power too. You know, he don't be surprised to see him, you know, have an eight, nine, 10 Homer season, but he'll he'll be he'll be all right. He'll he should be he she should fit right in the ACC. And then David Bryant, who was at Radford, I don't think he had ever. I don't think he ever hit below three hundred there. Um, his last two years, I tweeted it the other day on my Twitter account that he had walked like forty two times in the last two years and only had struck out like thirty seven. You know he'll be he'll be a guy who constantly gets his bat on the ball, hustling baseballs out. Um, you know I'm sure. I don't know if he's as quick as Tanner Schobel. I haven't, I haven't watched that as closely base running, but you know, maybe if he steals, you know, half as many bags as Tanner Schobel does, Tanner Schobel did, you know, he he's, he'll definitely be a fine replacement for Tanner. And then um, Eddie Iser, if you go back to him, um, he's not exactly a five tool guy, but I think he'll, he'll have a decent bit of power, uh, power strip that comes in um, this season. Um, and then one guy we haven't mentioned, Chris Sparber, who um, transferred from a junior college. Um, he had, I think he hit like in the high, th- like 390s, almost 400 for his JUCO last year. Um, he's he's a catcher that plays outfield and can DH. Um, he's someone that, you know, I don't know if he'll get a ton of at-bats. He's a solid bat. Don't get like, he's a solid bat, but I don't know who he's going to take you know, those at bats from, but if he's in the lineup, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him produce. Hey guys, this is Ali Jennings, the third wide receiver for your Virginia Tech Hokies. When I committed to Virginia Tech football, I committed to the best. That's why I chose Harvey's GM in Radford. Why settle for less when you can have the best? Go to Harvey's GM for all of your vehicle needs. Tell them Ali sent you. That's Harvey's GM. Tyler Ave in Radford, or go to their website at harveysgm.com for more info. We've talked a bit about some of these freshmen coming in, and maybe you can talk to them in this next question, but which position group are you most confident in going into this season? Position group among position players or pitchers? Let's and- let's go all of it. Which one? Okay. Um, I would say pitching like it is, it is so, so, so deep that they brought back. I mean, you have Kieran Higgins, who was an all American, uh, preseason all American by the, um, NCBWA. Um, I mean, Jonah Herney, like he'll, he was, you know, in contention for this, the Sunday guy. Um, he'll be pretty good again. Brent Henry Weicker, who kind of saved the day for, in the BC Sunday game and the BC or in the UVA Sunday game too. And I mean, you bring back 
Matthew Silverling, you know, who missed all of last year, but he was one of the most effective relief arms in 2021. Mm-hmm. And then Christian Worley, again, I mean, he he's going out. He's going to be he's going to be on draft radars um, this spring. He had, I think, he threw like 16 consecutive shutout innings at the end of the last year. He really came on. Um, I think it was the JMU game at the very end where he started to have that scoreless streak, and he lost it. Um, I think like in the right state regional game, but it was 16 straight innings where he had a lot of run. And then you just go back to the rotation. I mean, you have three solid guys, three solid starters, something that tech didn't have to begin the year last year. I mean, you got Griffin green who, and drew Hackenberg, the pair won, I think four or 15 ACC games when they started last year. I mean, they guided tech to those wins and then Anthony Arguez who, you know, Kind of struggled out of the Miami bullpen if you look at the overall numbers, but he had a great, great Cape Cod summer where he, I think his ERA was under two and four starts. So I think the 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 pitchers is probably the uh, the the most confident group I'm in. For me, it's the outfield. Um, mm-hmm. When you look across that outfield, and you have just let's just talk fielding. Uh, I think Carson Jones is a really underrated player in the field. He's a long, lanky guy who has really good speed. He's going to be able to make up a lot of ground there in in right field. And then Jack Hurley moving back to center field, who was at left field last year. Um, You know, if he can get it under, it is kind of a windy stadium in the outfield. It's pretty tough. It's something that Gavin Cross was so good at as an experienced player. I think if Jack Hurley can feel comfortable in that spot, he has all of the tools. He, he can throw, he can catch, he can run. Like He's got all the tools as long as he feels comfortable back there. And if Canizaro is what we think he is as, as a solid replacement, you're looking at a really good defensive outfield. So um, I, I think that's the position group that I feel pretty confident in because I know those guys can hit already. Mm-hmm. It's can they be solid in, in the outfield at a hitter-friendly park? at Virginia Tech too. So not only friendly for Virginia Tech, but who they're playing. So you need to make sure that you're good on the defense in the outfield. Yeah, I mean, sorry, just going back to Hurley. I mean, him in center, he played played in center for probably all, if not most, of, you know, in, in center his entire freshman year. So I mean it's some it's he's going back there. It's not like he's starting fresh from we've left field for two years, but and then going to center, like he'll 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 be his adjustment will be just fine. What position group needs to step up? Hmm, that's tough. I mean, my vote would be none. I think I think the team, I think this team is complete. You know, and I'm not saying that as a fan. I'm not saying uh, purely like from an objective, you know, space. Like it is, I think this is a pretty complete team. But if you had to name one, maybe catcher because – I mean, Gary Ebel, like, you know, he should be, he's, he's solid defensively. He was very solid last year when he played for Kate Hunter um, in the days that Cade would DH in those midweeks. He played a very solid defense. The bat, you know, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't great, but you know, he, you also have to chalk that up to, you know, maybe he, because he only got a, like 20 some at bats last year, you know, yeah. he never got consistent at bats, but, you know, watching him in, in, last fall and a little bit in the spring is bat does seem to come around, but you know, maybe somewhere where he, you know, maybe catcher is probably the weakest link on this team. If you even have one. 
Yeah, and I think that's one really good thing about this team is the depth. There's a lot of options at places. I think if they need an area where they need to step up, I think what made this team so dominant offensively last year was it was one through nine could do everything. They could hit for average. They could hit for power. They were a threat on the bases. They were tough to strike out. That's what made them so good last year. I think some guys becoming more complete batters like, like Gary Giebel, um, Eduardo Malinowski is a guy who started the season really well with a lot of power and then kind of tailed off. You know, can he get back to the the first half of the season, Eduardo Malinowski? I think those things will kind of need to happen for Virginia Tech to reach the levels that they did last year. You'll need some guys to, to step up offensively to kind of round out that that whole um, that whole starting nine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. You, I mean, you go back to Malinowski, who you know struggled a little bit going down the line, but you know Tech doesn't win that Liberty game where they walked it off um, here at at English. You know, I mean, he had the game tying hit. Um, they don't win one of the two Duke or one of the two Duke games where he homers in. I mean, that too is in his glove was so good last year. You know, yep. he and Schultz really, really good. You know, that was that was really when his bat was kind of off. You know. He was he was making a positive impact on defense. Let's talk about the schedule as we start to to project out for this year. The ACC is an absolute infinity gauntlet because Virginia Tech is the 14th ranked team in the country. They're the third highest ranked ACC team. Wake Forest is at number six, and they have been building that program really well the last couple of years. Uh, we'll get into them a little bit later. North Carolina is at number 12. Uh, Vance Honeycutt is probably an All-American level player. He's the preseason ACC player of the year. Louisville, uh, another dominant program, is at number 16. UVA at number 19. NC State at number 21. Miami at number 22. And just outside, looking in, Florida State, Georgia Tech, and Notre Dame. All of those schools are projected to make the NCAA tournament. That is 10 ACC, uh, 10 of the 14 ACC programs are projected to make the NCAA tournament. Um, 11 of the SEC programs are expected. So second only to the SEC in, in that. Let's just talk about the strength of the ACC first. I mean, it's, it's off the charts this year, but that's what you sign up for when you come to Virginia Tech to play baseball. Yeah, I mean, no kidding. I mean, they'll they'll have series with Wake Forest. They'll have one with North Carolina, um, UVA. Um, they go down to Miami, um, and then I, they have one with Georgia Tech. They don't play Notre Dame this year. Um, Notre Dame will actually be kind of interesting because they uh, their head coach Link Jarrett just went down to. Or he's the Florida State guy. Florida State, yep. Yeah, and then the actually the VCU head coach came up and became the Notre Dame head coach. So Notre Dame will be interesting this year. Um, I think they'll be pretty good again. Um, but you know, you always got to consider the, the head coaching change. Maybe that shakes some things up. Georgia tech, you know, Georgia tech was a very interesting team last year. Um, they started off hot. They were top 15, top 10, maybe team in the country. I don't remember which, but tech played them when they were ranked and, you know, they swept them, but those games were close, but, and then Georgia tech ends up making the tournament Miami, Miami's always good at baseball. I mean, but Tech, Tech will go down there um, this season. Tech last year swept Miami. No, 
did they? No, they took two out of three. Two out of uh, three. Sunday game. Um, but this time, Tech will go down to Miami, where Tech won its first series down there two years ago in 2021. Um, the UVA series. That should be fun. That's at English, uh, I think, March 31st through April 2nd. Uh, I remember last the last time they played here in the COVID year, I think you could only have a thousand people in the stands because it was during the COVID times, but that was probably the loudest crowd up to that point to where I heard, where I heard English field. And I'd expect that, you know, tech is packed once again um, for each, each of the UVA games and then North Carolina, um, they're going to come up here again or not, not, not again, because tech went down there last year, but tech, but North Carolina comes up here tech, Two years ago, took their first series from North Carolina in program history. And then the Wake Forest series at the end of the season. That's the very last ACC series Tech will play before um, the ACC tournament. That'll be interesting because, you know, Wake Forest, will they hold up as, you know, a top 10 team? Um, They return, I think, eight or nine of their starting bats last year. And then the ACC pitcher of the year and Rhett Louder. It wouldn't surprise me for Wake Forest to be pretty pretty good. Yeah, and we talked about Rhett Lauder. He was the pitcher of the year last year, preseason pitcher of the year this year. If you know who Mike Clevenger is, um, he looks exactly like Mike Clevenger. The, and the dude is really fun to watch on the mound. Uh, Vance Honeycutt, of outfielder from North Carolina, is the preseason player of the year. Very, very talented player. And freshman of the year, they're given to Cam Smith, third baseman from Florida State. Florida State's going to be really interesting because like everything points to rebuilding year for the Seminoles, except for the fact that it is Florida State and they're one of the more consistent programs on the East Coast. So they'll be an interesting team to watch. The Hokies, I said, they avoid series with Louisville, NC State, and Notre Dame. I think overall that's a win for the Hokies. Louisville and NC State are both teams that Traditionally, especially if you go play on the road, are, are really, really tough. So I think those are W's for the Hokies that they they aren't playing those. Hokies will start the season in a few days here. We're recording this on Valentine's Day in Charleston, South Carolina against College of Charleston, who is no slouch. An instant opportunity to build that tournament resume for the Hokies. College of Charleston is picked to win the CAA this year. Uh, they return a lot of pitchers. They return a lot of guys. They should be a pretty good team. You would hope that Virginia Tech's talent level will, will take a hold in that series. But beginning of the season, playing on a road on the road, not an easy start to the season for Virginia Tech. Yeah, uh, I'll be down there this weekend to cover it for Tech sideline. Um, but this is something that Chef said he wanted to do last year. Um, you know, he said he didn't, after Tech's first ACC win against Pitt, he said he didn't set his team up well enough to go down to Georgia Tech and try to take one of those games. He said he had wished, uh, he had taken his team on the road to a non-con to somewhere like, like Charleston to play those first three non-conference series. So I think this is right on par with what Chef said he wanted to do this year. He said he couldn't do it last year because of some because they made some agreements with um, who they play UNC Asheville, Fordham and um, Wright state, Wright state. They had made some, you know, they made some agreements during COVID to where, you know, they had to keep them as the, as their teams to play in 21, but 
you know, he said he wants to go, like he wants to do this. So it's not like, you know, it's tech got a, got a bad draw to start the season off, but it was more of that the base, like the, the staff wanted to go down there, see how good their team was. I'm a little surprised it's right away. I'm surprised that Charleston's not coming up here and that tech's not going down to Charlotte. I'm a little surprised by that, but you know, it's, it's, it's a good test right away. Um, I mean, you know, if I had to choose a place to play a baseball game in mid-February, I would probably choose Charleston over Blacksburg. <laughs> That's yeah, just me, especially if I was playing with a metal bat. But um, after that three-game series at College of Charleston, which starts uh, Friday, February 17th, the Hokies will have 13 straight games at English Field. Um, they'll play East Tennessee State on a Tuesday, and then they'll have a series against Bryant, Charlotte, UMass Lowell and Boston College to start ACC play. Sprinkled in there is, of course, the Sharkies Classic on Tuesday, February 28th against the Radford Highlanders. So it'll be a really tough schedule for the Hokies. They'll be battle-tested. But with that comes a lot of opportunities to build that tournament resume, and it's never, ever too early to start building that resume. So it'll be you know an interesting start to the season playing college with Charleston, but after that, there are some opportunities for the Hokies to stack some wins up, mess around with the lineup, put some guys in different positions, see what they like before playing Boston College in, to start ACC play. All right. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm actually very curious to see your answer for this because making it to a super regional in college baseball is no slouch. That is, I mean, an incredible, incredible accomplishment. In order for the Hokies to host a super regional again this year, blank needs to happen. Mm, blank needs to happen. Well, my obvious answer would be win a lot of games, but <laughs> I I think they just got to stay healthy. I mean, that was that was their key last year was you know staying healthy. I think Malinowski's injury at Boston College, where he was only out two games, I think I think, but from what I remember, that's the biggest injury they had until. Um, the end of the year, it, it's just again, it's just it's all about staying healthy. And you know, Coach Steph will say, Coach Steph will tell you the exact same thing. Just keep your guys healthy, um, prepare um, for the upcoming opponents. Don't put yourself in a bad spot, you know. And you'll win a lot of ball games that way. Yeah, I um, for me, if I had to pick something, I think they need their starting rotation to stay healthy. Mm-hmm and to all be really good. I think last year, Virginia Tech kind of ran into the problem where they were trying to outscore teams a little bit, and the pitching was really, really good, but not elite enough to keep good offenses from scoring. And it worked, it worked, it worked. And then they played an Oklahoma team that was basically hitting with like a tennis racket up there. And they just, I mean... It's baseball. You can't be expected to score 12 runs a game. And they just kind of ran out of steam there offensively in a couple of games against Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, well, I, I mean, they scored a whole lot of yeah. runs on the second game. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I, I sort of disagree with, you know, I think, I think they did still have elite starting pitching in green. Obviously the results weren't there, but I think a lot of it came from fatigue, you know, yeah. green, I don't think had pitched more than 18 innings a season since high school uh Hackenberg hadn't pitched more than 40 and he took the fall like he hadn't pitched in the fall 
the fall before that. And that's what he was saying the other day was, you know, I'm more prepared, you know, this, this year, not to fall, you know, kind of fall off the cliff. I did, um, you know, and to be prepared to throw, you know, 90, a hundred, 110 innings again. Um, so that was, I, I think, I don't think the starting pitching, it did fall off, but I mean, there were, there were definitely factors to where it, it wasn't just something random. I mean, there were a lot of factors went into that. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if they can have somebody step up um, thinking about like a guy like Shane Connolly that came out of nowhere a couple years ago. Yeah. And he was basically a half starter, half reliever, part-time closer as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they have a guy who can be the get out of jail free card pitcher. Um, I think that'd be a really useful thing to add to this team because we know they'll be able to hit. That there'll be a fun offense to watch. Maybe not record breaking, but there'll be a fun offense to watch. Hit me with a record prediction, or I guess a a ballpark record ballpark. prediction for the Hokies. Who, by the way, last year went like we said at the top of the show, forty five and fourteen. I'll give you. I'll give you a number of wins, so I can't do the math that quickly in my head. Um, <laughs> I would say anywhere from in the range from 37 to 42. That would be my range. That would be, I don't know if they've won 40. It might be the first time in program history they would win, you know, 40 games in a row and there are 40 games in two consecutive years. What about you? What's, what do you, what do you think your, uh, what's your prediction? You know, last year when I did my preview article, I said, I think it's a good team. I think they make the regionals. I was like, to make the regional in the ACC, conference record needs to be about 500, a little bit above. And that will probably get you in. Non-conference, want to run 75, 80% of those non-conference games, depending on the schedule. Um, They exceeded those expectations mightily. I don't think you can predict them to go 19 and nine in the ACC again. I think you're looking at more of like 16, 17 wins as a, a more realistic ceiling for, for this team. And, but I look at the non-conference schedule and I really like tech in all those games. Uh, College of Charleston would be tough. Liberty is always tough, but you know, I like Virginia tech to, I agree with you that 35 to 38 win range seems like a really realistic goal for this team. And if they get there in a really tough ACC, this could be a team that's not only hosting a regional, but they could be a national seed again, depending if if the cards fall the right way. So I think you're going to see a team that is maybe not reaching second and third in the country towards the end of the season, but is definitely competing at a national level. So if I have to place a number of regular season wins, um, let's let's go thirty-seven. That's the number I'm going with. Thirty-seven. It's a solid guess. We'll set I, the over under at thirty-six and a half. How about that? Yeah, I mean, I take the over. I'd say yeah, anywhere between thirty-seven and thirty-seven and forty forty-two on the high end, but thirty-seven yeah. on the low end. It'll it'll be a fun season. I'm really excited for it. How far do you think the Hokies can make it this year? I mean, I mean, it is it is so hard to top a national four seed. It is so hard to do what they did again, just because base playoff baseball 
regular season baseball, it's so random. Like mm-hmm. Oklahoma got hot at the right time. They were a two seed and went all the way to a two seed in a region in Florida's regional and went all the way to the college world series where they ended up falling actually in the, in the college world series final, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a super regional. I don't know if they would host a super regional. Maybe that's probably that that's, they certainly have a possibility to with all the baseball randomness, but you know, I would see, I could say that I'm confident that tech is between a top 11 to 14 seed. And then on the low end, I think that tech would make the tournament easily as a two, as a two seed. Yeah. I think that's my, my postseason prediction. I was thinking about this was like one, we know the the top of college baseball this year is pretty dominant. We haven't talked nationally, but like LSU might just run through everybody this year. <laughs> they built an absolute like army of a team this year. I but- really do think this is a team that can host a regional. And if they're not hosting a regional, we'll probably be the top number two seed. Yeah. So I I think you know, expecting there to be a regional in Blacksburg is not crazy. Will they host a super regional? I'm going to go ahead and say probably not this year. It's a, that's a lot to ask in this schedule. And, you know, especially with some, you know, the sec is just as deep. Um, you know, there's some, some good baseball happening out West as well as, as there always is. So, I think it'll be tough for Virginia tech to get that top eight seed again, but I could see them getting, you know, the 10 through 14 overall seed seems like a realistic goal for this team. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say LSU runs through everybody. I mean, the, the key to the key to all this is staying healthy and LSU just lost their Sunday guy. So yeah, yeah. They, that, that news came out uh, last night, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, the key, the key to, to the run, I mean, Carson Martini was saying it yesterday, you know, the end goal, it, it is Omaha for every single team, but DMART, DMART thinks that, you know, they've got a shot. They've got a legit shot at going back again or going back to Omaha or going to Omaha, not going back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm all for it. Let's go to Omaha. I was ready. I was packing my bags. I was getting ready to put in PTO requests to go to Omaha. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, dude, that would be awesome to cover. I mean, me and me and David Cunningham were we were we were getting our travel plans ready for uh tech to, you know, win that third game and go on to the college world series. I know that would be so much fun for me personally, and I'm sure it'd be fun for a lot of other people. But you know, to sit in that press box in Omaha would be that would be sick. I mean, the fact that we're realistically having even hosting a regional <laughs> conversations in the preseason, I think just shows how far the program has gone in the past couple of years. They have literally built it from the ground up and it should be a, a really, really exciting season. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure we'll have you back throughout the season. We'll be doing as regular podcasts for the baseball team this spring as we can, but overall, Really, really excited about this season. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. It's 
Time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. And all that she said is, Oh, I know what you're thinking. 